you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Sherry Miter. Welcome, Sherry. Thank you for having me today. I am super excited. We're going to have an awesome conversation, I'm sure. So before we jump into it, though, there is people around the world who don't yet know who you are. Let's change that. And if you could give them a little bit of background about how you ended up where you are right now, that would be awesome. Absolutely. And I'll try to keep it short because it's been a long roundabout <laughs> roundabout journey, as I feel like many of us have taken over, especially the last couple of years. But I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Um, and going back to, I don't know, 30 years ago, my husband and I owned a chimney cleaning business. We did that for 10 years. He's also a professional firefighter. So this was a side gig he had. Um, while we were doing that, I got into network marketing as that became my side gig, but I found that I really enjoyed that business. And I realized that was more of my calling than helping him run a chimney cleaning business. So as I moved up the path in the network marketing, we were able to sell the chimney cleaning business. So then I went full blast into the network marketing. At that same time, we were raising three boys, uh, which is always an interesting journey in itself. And I did that for 20, almost 27 years that I grew my network marketing. I was able to really rank um, the top 1%, had a lot of success leading a team of over 100 but I found the last five years in that business, even though I was still achieving a lot, I just started to feel that angst, that, that place of, is this really what I've meant to do? And for anybody familiar with that type of business, there's always a next level to reach for. And I think it's true with any business too. There's always that next thing, that next rung to reach for. And more often than not, I was just having that conversation. It's like, okay, we just achieved this, but now we don't even have time to celebrate. We have to go on to the next thing. And it was getting exhausting <laughs> as much as I love to achieve. And there were some other things happening within my life and within the company that were just making me pause and think. And when COVID hit, just like so many people, I was already, I think, mentally ready to step into something new. And that was the turning point for me because I love, and I'm, I know we're going to talk a little bit about strengths, but one of my strengths is strategy and futuristic thinking. So my brain just automatically, when I see a problem, it goes into a solution finding mode. So when I was watching all my friends, when COVID hit or other businesses around me, like freezing up and not knowing what to do, I would just automatically have the solution. And some of them I shared with those friends. And my husband was the one, he's like, that's your business. Like, that's what you're called to do. You should be doing that. So I did that for about a year. And I just started coaching entrepreneurs just on helping them get through COVID. And I loved what I did because I saw the value, but I realized that still wasn't my calling. <laughs> that still wasn't what I was meant to do. So about nine months into that, I went back to something that I've been using in my network marketing business, and that was the Clifton Strengths, or some people know it as Strength Finders. I got certified 
because I, again, that was something that has been calling my name for about five years. So last spring, I took the plunge, got certified through Gallup, and realized who I really wanted to work with and coach with were leaders and their teams, because I had used uh, the Clifton Strengths within my own business and saw how it changed, how I showed up for others. And I really wanted to bring that to other leaders and their teams. And that is what I'm doing today. And I absolutely love it. I do feel like this is what all of the past experiences led me to do. Nice, nice. And yeah, I, I, I'm a huge believer in, in both understanding your own strength and particularly also your weaknesses, right? Because when you know where you add the most value, it also shows you very easily what to delegate and what to find people who cover us, right? I, I think uh, most people waste a lot of good time trying to improve their weaknesses instead of working on the stuff they're already amazing at. And I think that's often a shame. But uh, yeah, tell me, tell me more about the strength finder and like how you go around working with people with it and so on. Mm-hmm. So for those that aren't familiar with Gallup's Clifton Strengths, and it is owned by Gallup, it is one of the few assessments that are owned by one company. So when you take the Gallup Clifton Strengths assessment, the only place you can take the assessment is through Gallup. They own that, right? It's It was created by Don Clifton. And that is one of the reasons why I do love that assessment. It's all data-based and, you know, it was based on research. So what happens is after you take the assessment, they tell you, um, what are your, they rank you down to 34. Gallup has figured it out that there's basically 34 talents and themes. And they rate you and tell you, okay, these are your top five, which are the most important. This is how you naturally think, feel, and behave. I call it your thumbprint for talent because it's, it's how you were born. And what's cool is once people know their natural talents and strengths, they usually can even go back to a childhood story and think, oh, that's why I did that when I was a kid, or that's why my teacher said that, or my parents thought that, or my siblings, you know, called me bossy or something. It was command. Um, true story for me. And <laughs> But then it shows you like your top 10. And I always tell my clients, if you can live in your top 10 strengths, 80% of the time, you're showing up as your best self every day. And like you already alluded to, Mads, it does show you what your areas, we don't call it areas of weakness, but your lesser talents are. And those are the areas that you delegate out. You find a supporting team member to support you in those areas because they may be stronger where you're less talented or weaker. Um, or you figure out how to use your strengths to navigate around that area of lesser talent. Um, so that's kind of the nutshell of the Clifton strengths. And what I've been doing lately is bringing them into working with leaders and showing them how to show up with their own strengths. Then we go into what are your team strengths so that you can learn how to work with people within their strengths versus trying to tell them, well, if you just try harder, you can get this, you can do this. Yeah, that may, that makes a lot of sense. So super interested in this. So what, what's your strength as example, if you wouldn't mind sharing? Yeah, so my top five are futuristic, um, maximizer. So futuristic is pretty much what it sounds like. Like we just, I love, divi- I love division cast. I love to talk about the possibilities of the future. 
maximizer just means um, I love to take something that's already good and make it superb versus starting from scratch. Um, Self-assurance just means when I listen to it, I should just trust my own gut (laughs) decision making. Uh, Command. Command is my the next strength. And that just means um, command is about having that presence of you're not afraid to take charge. You're not afraid to show up. Some people call it bossy and it can be <laughs> miscued as that. And then strategic would be my next. Those are my top five. Nice. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And what are the things then that you're less talented at? by nature? Mm. Um, you know, I honestly don't even know what my bottom ones are. I don't even look at right. them. Uh, I know empathy is down there. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, yep. Um, it's interesting. I only know this and it's not as low, but it's right in the middle. Uh, it, and I only know this because my husband, and I just did a podcast about this, but responsibility is in the middle because it's very high for him. So we, we always have really great conversation around that. Um, same thing with adaptability, um, things like that. But really for myself, and I teach my clients to do this too, I really stay focused on the top five and 10. And I don't worry about the bottom unless they're really getting in the way. And yeah. most of the time they're not. Yeah. I've learned to delegate a lot. I mean, I know it's not Clifton Strengths, but I know for me, I don't like tech stuff. I don't like details. I don't like those kind of things. So that's where a great VA, (laughs) which if anybody knows a great VA, a little shout out for that, I am looking for a new VA. So just going to put that little plug out there too. Cool. Yeah. We actually, one of the many businesses I own is actually a VA company. So yeah. Oh, okay. We'll have to talk later on that. (laughs) Lots of awesome people, but yeah, no, it it makes sense. And uh, I mean, we, so typically I, I work a lot with sort of behavior framework and in particular disc. Um, so it, it identifies strengths. It, it, they don't always sound as cool. Uh, so I love the descriptions for these ones, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. we, we, we use disc a lot and, and utilize that to, to help clients basically understand their strengths and weaknesses. And it, one thing is yourself, right? And what I always say to people is that the most important people to understand is not people who are like you, because most people assume everyone else is like themselves, but it's really people who are very different than you. Both understand right. their strength, but also how to work with them, right? Because if you have someone that's significantly different than you are, then it's it's often a totally different communication style, right? And it's totally, it's often like very different ways of getting them like motivation. Like how do you actually get someone to do the best they can all right and and that's that's very important particularly when it's people who are very different from yourself right right and one of the things that i teach like leaders and small business owners is you are not meant to be well-rounded we're not we are pretty much linear humans we're made the way we are and if we just learn to whether you know through disc or other assessments out there you know valid assessments um you know, we learn who we are at our best and show up that way, but then create a well-rounded team. That's when you can find the most success. And it's more fun that way too. It's more energetic um, and allow people to show up as their best. Like you said, you don't want everybody to be the same as you. And 
I, I think that's one of the biggest issues I see still. I mean, there's a good old saying that people always hire people like themselves. I think, unfortunately, that's very true, right? And, and I think that's still the case a lot of the time. And, and actually, a lot of time, my experience is it comes down to communication. Because when people are interviewing, they like people who communicate like they do. And that's why they end up hiring more people like that. But it is definitely, a, yeah, it, it makes a big difference when you learn to hire and work with people who are different than you. So even though it's not always as easy, the whole point is that they have some strength that you can actually really benefit from, right? Because they look at the world differently and they think differently and all of this good stuff. Right, right. And when you can communicate with that, um, I think it really does, it just really does help. And then we can respect the differences in each other and value what they bring to the table versus like you said, trying to figure out like, well, wait, she doesn't think like me or what's wrong with them. I hear that a lot too. It's like, what's wrong with them? They don't get this. This is so easy. Well, it's easy for you because it's your strength, Yeah. but it's not easy for them. My, my mm-hmm. favorite example I always use is, uh, I mean, there's people who look at a spreadsheet full of numbers and get dizzy. And there's people who will look at it and, and it'll be like the matrix or it'll, it'll just make sense, right? Like they, they don't need the graph. They see it all in their head when they look at a pile of numbers. And, and it's not like some people think it's because they've been looking at numbers forever, but it's not about that. It's, 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 it's generally natural sort of tendencies, right? That, that right, right, right. And I find that's one of the things that people, because our innate talents are just so very natural for us, we don't even recognize them as unique, as a talent. And that's where I think the assessments are so valuable because they show you in black and white, like, oh, I didn't realize that was a talent. You know, we think of talent as being a great basketball player or a singer or actor in those types of realms, but it's really, it is looking at a spreadsheet is a talent and <laughs> deciphering yeah. it. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, that's actually one of my, <laughs> one of my biggest pet peeves. Like people always look at famous footballers and famous sports stars and they're like, Oh, wow, this person is so talented, you know, but, but reality is that the talent in many places, obviously there's some physical attributes in some sports. Right. But, but many talents are, are generally based on, repeat practices and all that kind of stuff right so it's it's easy to look at someone and like oh they're gifted right it's it's not me but but reality is that most people can do amazing things if they put their head down and get moving and so on so right and i love that you just said that because that's kind of the formula to turn the talent into strengths according to gallup is first identify what are your natural talents and then invest in them and spend time really working on it just like an athlete would because they may be born with a talent, but if they don't practice, they're not going to become an exceptional athlete. So when we take our talents, time's investment, then it becomes a strength, or I like to call it our superpowers, which will make us excel in whatever it is we're working on in that arena. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. 
Excellent. And if people are interested in this Gallup uh, strength finder, what, what what's the way to get around that? And you just go to Gallup and you can find it or what's mm -hmm. the best way? Yes. To? Yes. So you can just go to Gallup and look for Cliff. It's now called Clifton Strengths. It used to be called Strengths Finder. And I know it gets confusing, but I think if you type in either one, it will get you to um, to the right place. But if you go to gallup.com and look for the Clifton Strengths, it's just now named after Don Clifton, the founder of the whole positive uh, thinking philosophy um, and strengths philosophy. And you can awesome. go in there. There are two options. There is a one report you can get that's just going to show you your top five, which is okay. But I really, really do encourage people to go for the full 34 report. It's going to give you so much more information. Um, and it's worth the extra, I think it's $30 more maybe to do that. It's $19.99 for the top five. And I believe $49.99 to do the full report. It's right. so much more valuable. Um, in fact, for myself, I took the top five initially back in 2016. And the only reason I know that is once you take it, it is forever on Gallup's site. So you just have to sign in. They have it in there. And it has the data, which you take the test. So I know it was May of 2016. And I took the top five. And I don't even remember my initial thought. I'm sure I probably had what a lot of people do is like read it, thought, oh, that's interesting. And then never did anything with it. It wasn't until I was coached and mentor to unlock the full report that it really started making sense. And then I went to a workshop and that was where like it all started really coming together. And I realized how valuable it was and what it really meant for me as a leader um, and how I could take it to my team yeah. after that. So I do encourage people to just go ahead and go for the full report. You'll Otherwise, you're going to think again, like me, oh, that was interesting, but you won't see the true value of it with that. Cool. That makes sense. That makes sense, Joy. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So um, we also talked a little bit about, before we kicked off, sort of general research from Gallup and so on, which, which I find is super interesting. So um, any, any amazing insights to share? Yes. So one thing I've been talking a lot about with business owners, as we know, I believe they're calling it with the great resignation right now of a lot of people are leaving jobs and they're trying to figure out like my own self, you know, trying to figure out like, what do they really want to do? And that puts the employers, the CEOs, the managers in a really tough situation. They're losing or they're afraid of losing their very best people. Or they know they need to hire somebody, but how do they hire the right person? And the thing is, what attracted people to a career five years, 10 years, definitely 20 years ago, looks totally different than what attracts people today. And Gallup has spent a lot of time looking into this and studying what it is. And at first, a lot of people, it's easy to say, oh, that's just generational. And here's my philosophy on it, Mads, is that I feel like the Gen Z and the millennials were just brave enough <laughs> to 
say what the rest of us have been thinking for years. And yes, so these changes have come about because of the millennials and Gen Zs, but the system was broken way before them. Just nobody was talking about it. So there are, is there like six things right now I could share quickly on what it is that people are really looking for versus what they used to look for. So, and this is all again from Gallup, they've done a lot of study on this and research, but they don't just want, the first one is um, they don't want a paycheck, they want a purpose. And yes, now I always say, yes, they want a fair paycheck because if somebody's not getting a fair wage for their work, then the rest doesn't matter. So they have to have a fair wage, but that's not the driving force anymore. It used to be just provide a great paycheck and benefits. And that was all people said they wanted. But today people want to feel like their job matters. Um, The second thing that they're looking for is they want uh, personal development, just like what we've been talking about. They want to learn more about themselves and how they can perform better as an individual, but also as a team player. Um, So it's not just about job satisfaction anymore. The other thing, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I I was just going to say like that, that resonates a lot. I think uh, one of the times, uh, one of the things I spend a lot of time in my coaching, working with people is, is actually giving feedback effectively and giving feedback in the right way. Um, Because I think fundamentally it's, it's one of those things that actually for many people is hard to do effectively, but it's one of those things that just makes a huge difference because literally every one of us, like no one wakes up in the morning and says, I want to do a bad job today. No one right. <laughs> yes. And reality is that most people wake up and think, you know, how do I get better? How can I do a better job? How do I become more valuable? And for some people, it's more valuable to the world. For some people, it's more valuable to their workplace. For some people, it's more valuable to people around them. But but people want to know how they add more value in the world, right? And I, I think fundamentally learning to give better, more effective feedback is probably, for me, one of the biggest sort of cheat codes to to get more out of your staff and really, really encourage them to develop and grow, right? Right. And you're so right on point because that's actually number three and four was they don't want bosses. They want coaches and they don't want annual reviews. They want consistent ongoing conversations about how, how is it going um, and all of that. So which plays into exactly what you just shared. Totally. Yep. Yep. Um, and then the last two things is they, they don't want to fixate on their weaknesses. They want to work on what they're naturally good at and just continue to get better. Um, like you sh- said, you know, most people don't wake up and say, oh, I'm going to do a crappy job today. They want to do, show up as their best and that extrinsic, you know, intrinsic motivation to be their best. Um, and the last thing is Millennials are leading this, but again, I feel like it's everybody that they don't just want that job, that they really want this to integrate into their life. And that's something that people are looking for today. And they, along with that, they need to know that their manager, their, their seat, the CEO, the founder, the leader cares about them as a person, not just an employee. And I think that's so, so important today more than ever. Yep. 
so that's my main focus in training is making sure you build solid relationships and actually have like one-to-one sessions with your staff and actually not just for work but really get to know them as a person and so on right so that Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense as well right right especially today because there are so many things going on in the home and there's such a fuzzy there's a fuzzy line right now between work and home it's not separated so many people are working from home and you know you need to know are there is the school bus not showing up to pick up their kids and they need to just go step out and pick up their kids they're not going to do their best work if their mind's on oh i gotta go get my kids or if somebody's sick or whatever there's so many things that if you know it's an easy fix yeah, and what, one of the simple ones I use is if you have someone that reports directly to you, right? Like if they call you up and say, hey, you know, Max is sick today. If you don't know if Max is their husband, their kid, or their dog, um, you know, you probably don't know your staff well enough. Absolutely. Absolutely. My husband and I, we talk a lot on leadership. He's in a leadership position. And that is right there, what you just said. It's his number one gift as a leader. Like, that you have to know who are who are the important people in in their life yep. by name. <laughs> yep, makes yeah. sense. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So that's uh, yeah, that's I mean that's some interesting findings. So uh, anything that you have picked up on that you are very surprised with, or do you feel it's all sort of natural? Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I feel like it's surprising. I mean. I think a lot of it just is, it's almost, as I already kind of said, that a lot of it's just common sense. It's things that many people have been thinking about for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Anyway, when they show up to work or they show up as a team member, but they were afraid to say it because they thought they were the only ones feeling that way. And I feel like today it's, if a leader can embrace this new change, I think it's going to be so beautiful for what where we're headed in the future versus trying to fight these things and blame it on a generational differences or, you know, it's COVID. It's not. It's I think those things have led us to this new place. But I think going forward, it can be such a great place to go. And I think we're all going to benefit from that. Yeah, I think it's very interesting because what what I've seen happening with COVID specifically is that it's not just COVID, but what happened is people for the first time maybe ever have actually had to stop up and be like, oh, like they've had the time to think about what are they doing? What are they doing with their life? What's what's happening around them and all this sort of stuff. So even though COVID obviously on a world scale is definitely a, a tragedy, it's it's forced many people to reevaluate a lot of things that they normally would never had the time to sit down and think about and never had that additional time to actually think you know what am i doing what what is my future going to look like and then they've, they've started thinking a lot different and i have many many friends that have been through that right and and I, I think it's very interesting what those kind of breaks does. And, and it's probably one of the best uh, reasons for also taking more holidays and taking more breaks in general to actually have the time to think a little bit about, you know, what's happening. Because it's so easy in life to just uh, follow the, 
just sort of, oh, work hard, work hard, work more, work more. But uh, if you never actually stop up and reflect, you might be working hard and you might be working more, but it might not be pulling you in the direction you actually want to go. Mm, amen. Amen. I am so totally on board with that. I just recorded a podcast this week and talked about all that because I'm one that normally loves that push to the finish and push to the end of the year. And I've realized recently through circumstances that no, right now I need to pause. <laughs> I need to step back, like you said, take a break and use that time to work on myself and my business and in build relationships, build, you know, do some research on some things and then be ready into the new year versus continuing to push harder, push harder, push harder. And I think, like you said, that a lot of people, COVID gave them permission. I hate that word, but I feel like that's the only word that really sounds, <laughs> but it gave them permission to hit that pause button and to quit wearing the busy badge as a badge of honor. Yeah, I think we can rephrase it slightly. We could say COVID gave them an opportunity to think about what was happening. Uh, because oh, so much better than permission. Yes, <laughs> everyone had to slow down, right? And uh, not yes. everyone had to slow down, but but definitely many people had to slow down. And more so, like I saw it a lot when people were suddenly working from home. Right. Mm -hmm. What was very interesting, like I, I've consulted a lot of companies that was suddenly like you know, they, they used to be office-based and suddenly they were like, oh, now I want remote. Like, how do we manage them? How do we still get the right output and so on? And what's very interesting is that a lot of people were delivering much better performance working from home with their kids running around all day. Like mm -hmm. kids were off school, they were still running around and they were getting more output. And what I always said to them was to say, was basically, well, imagine when the kids go back to school, if the staff is still working from home, you know, I, I reckon the output will be even bigger, right? So, and that's, I think that's fundamentally one of those things that also from a lot of business owners is changing a little bit because I think people are realizing that, uh, that there's a big difference between time and output. Mm. And a lot of the time, business owners are very good at focusing on the time instead of focusing on the output. But I think particularly with the work from home, that have changed a lot. I would right. also say from a, from a, like as I mentioned earlier, we've run an outsourcing company. And I can tell you a lot of people suddenly realized like after years of saying, oh, you know, we can't have people working remotely and they have to be in an office and so on. And our, like the inquiries for our outsourcing company have exploded with COVID. Because companies suddenly realizing, you know, that there's great quality staff all around the world. A lot of employees realizing, listen, I don't need to live in San Francisco anymore. I can actually live in, you know, back home in Kansas with my whole family. And, you know, I don't have to go to a big city just to get a decent job, right? Like it's possible anywhere. Right, right. I think those are some of the beautiful things that have come out of this opportunity <laughs> that uh, showed up because of COVID definitely as, as tragic as you shared that COVID has been for so many. There are some things that have come out that just gave people a different way to look at things. The, the good thing is like historically in all crisis, there's always something coming out of it, right? Because when, when, a, when a society is just seeing growth, 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 
it's a lot like when a company do it, right? Like you're not necessarily being super efficient with your resources and you're not always optimizing because you're, you're so focused on the growth instead of, you know, optimizing like performance and so on, right? But what happens mm-hmm. is when you when you do see a little bit of a dip and you have to start looking at, well, okay, you know, now things are going downhill a little bit. What can we do differently? And suddenly you start being able to focus on some of those things that you haven't looked at for, for quite a while. And uh, I, I think that's probably something that COVID, it's not yet being remembered for, but I, I reckon it's one of the things that it, it will help change because even, I mean, the economy obviously is, is still very overheated all over the world, but uh, I think uh, fundamentally that there's definitely going to come some things out of COVID that would not have happened if COVID hadn't been here. And I think I think just the whole way companies and individuals look at the world, I think, is going to change significantly. Right. right, right, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think, especially even like you, you know, talked about the whole working from home. I've heard that from so many people that they themselves didn't think they were capable of working from home. They didn't think they would like working from home. The companies weren't allowing people to work from home and then when they had to everybody's like wait this works out better than we could even have imagined and it's saving money for the corporations because now they're downsizing buildings exactly so my my number one thing is i i I love real estate but i definitely prefer not to own sort of commercial real estate at the moment, because uh, I'm, I'm sure that market is definitely going to see a hit sort of longer term. But uh, right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting, Sherry. So, before we finish off, Sherry, any amazing other resources or anything else that you recommend people to take a look at if they want to improve their management in general, or yeah, anything mm-hmm. like that. So obviously, as I've already mentioned, you know, I think Gallup has provided so much uh, with different assessments and or just what the one assessment, but a lot of research. So check out their site. They have articles all the time. They have a great podcast and see what they have going on. But the other thing I would mention is I just started reading a book by Daniel Pink called Driven. It's actually written in 2009, I believe, but it is more relevant than ever based on all the things we just talked about, Mads. It's, he, he goes even further on just what are the motivators to people and what makes them show up and do their best, like, as you said, wake up every day and say, I want to do my best today. And he goes into that and I'm really enjoying that book. Um, and I do feel like leaders are readers, I've always heard, and you can't, you know, always looking for great books. So I like to recommend that one right now. So yeah, I, I agree. I'm definitely also a reader. I would say, though, that reading is not necessarily everyone's core strength. So I know a few leaders who who much prefer learning in different ways. But yeah, I'm definitely also a big reader myself. So. Mm-hmm. Well, today you can listen to podcasts, you can listen on audiobooks, so you don't have to physically pick up and read. <laughs> it's, yes. yep, lots of amazing opportunities. Yes. Excellent. Sherry, if, if people are eager to get hold of you or want to catch up with you or chat with you, what's the best way to, to get hold of you? Right. Right 
the best thing is you can go to my website, which is Sherry Miter CO, Sherry Miter Co. at or Sherry Miter Co.com. So S H E R I M I T E R C O.com. You can also email me the same name at gmail.com. And I do have a podcast as well called Navigating Your Leadership. Awesome. That was fantastic. Thank you very much for joining me today, Sherry. It was awesome having you here. Well, thank you for having me on the show, Mads. I enjoyed the conversation. And to the audience, thank you for listening all the way to the end. We'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.